Hello, everybody. My name is Lloyd, and welcome to Thoughts from a Content Creator, the place where we talk about the business of creating content. Our guest today really doesn't need an introduction, honestly. He was in corporate America, and he was killing it. I mean, he worked for some of your favorite companies like TikTok, Facebook. And in 2022, he decided to quit and focus on his own business. And if that wasn't impressive enough, he also has a podcast called Quien Tu Eres, which focuses on creating an, inclu- an inclusive community that's dedicated to changing the narrative and challenging the stereotypes in the Latinx community. Please help me welcome our guest today, Pavel Martinez. How are you? Hey, pleasure being here, man. Thanks for finally putting this together. Absolutely. I'm so happy to have this conversation. Um, you know, I think a lot of the work you do is really cool, helping people figure out how to show up authentically as themselves. How did this become a passion for you? Well, I think like many other people, I've been trained personally to believe that parts of my identity are unprofessional. And I always thought it started in corporate. But when I really think about it, it started at home. Like growing up, my grandfather would tell me, do you see presidents and CEOs with beards and tattoos and do-rags and uh, all these, you know, earrings. Cause I remember back in the day, I wanted to get my ears pierced. Uh, and then I was like, nah, so I acted accordingly, but you know, thinking more about it, my grandfather, I understand that he was trying to protect me, but at the same time, he was telling me like many other people that I had to be more white in order to be successful. And I've been carrying that with me my entire career and that level of assimilation and code switching and all that I had to do in corporate America, people take it for granted, the amount of time that's actually spent. So I just want other people to not waste as much time assimilating as I did. Because when I stopped doing it, that's when my career took off. Wow. It's funny that you say that because, you know, there's, it's, it's easier to think that the moment I stop feeling like I have to code switch or assimilate, the less likely it becomes that I'm going to thrive in my career. And you're actually saying the opposite of that happened, that the more you showed up as yourself, the more you were able to really like crush it at your job or really excel professionally. Yeah. I mean, what I was trying to do so hard was really fit in. Right. And, you know, people think being your authentic self is just like wearing a t-shirt or, you know, uh, you know, speaking the way you speak, but like, I went to so deep, so many deep lengths to assimilate. Like, for example, there's always that question when you go into work on Monday, it's like, how was your weekend? Like, instead of saying things that I that I actually did that weekend, I would lie. But the lies were like, so intricate, like I would dedicate days and hours out of my weekend to study white popular American culture. So instead of watching Insecure, I would binge watch shows like Riverdale to like, feel like I'm part of the group when they're talking about it. You know what I mean? But imagine if instead of binge watching shit that I didn't care about, I would do things like my job. You know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with watching Riverdale. There's nothing wrong. Like, I love Seinfeld. I love The Office. But there's something about you trying it, not liking it, and then just continuing to do it even though you don't like it because you feel that the 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 desire or need to fit in. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I think a lot of people of color know what it feels like to be at a place and kind of feel like everyone's talking and you can't relate and you can't, yeah. you don't know the jokes, you don't know what's going on. And, and so I think where there's a lot of we're very inclined most times to to do that, to try and like step outside of who we are, to try and fit in. I, I so resonate with that. Um, you know, I think for the people that are lucky enough to find out what they're passionate about and what they love to do or find something that really moves them internally to take action, 
I think we're blessed. And I think that's a huge flex in itself, just finding your thing, your lane and being able to like help people. I think the second side of the equation is just saying like, dang, I realize like there's this thing that needs to change and I have information that can help people. How do I communicate this publicly online, uh, especially on platforms like TikTok or our podcast, just learning, being comfortable, just even like showing your face and talking to people, sharing your opinions out loud. That can be very scary for a lot of people. What was that transition like for you figuring out like, yo, I'm, I'm having this experience in corporate America. I'm learning to be more authentic and myself. And I now want to create content online and share this with other people. Yeah, I mean, when you think about workplace experiences, I think before my podcast and, and some people speaking out openly, traditionally, they're typically gone either untold or if they are told, they're told anonymously, right? So, I mean, think about me. Like, I got a job at Facebook, which was like my dream job. Everyone was so proud of me. The last thing I wanted to do was tell them like, oh, how's it going working there? It's like, oh, it's uh, I'm getting racist microaggressions and I'm getting like, I don't tell people that like we yeah. don't tell people that. Right. Like we're also right. embarrassed to even tell people like some of these things happened. Right. Like the, the the shit that people tell on my share on my podcast. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Um, and I can get into some stories. Right. But they often also, if you think about it, go if they are told, they're told anonymously on places like Glassdoor. Mm-hmm. Right. Even right. if you look up articles, it always says like unnamed black executive says X, Y and Z. You ever think about like why they go anonymous is because they're scared. Right. Retaliation. Right. And it's nothing. It's just their story that they're sharing. Right. So I was very intentional about my podcast to share a face and a name to each story so that people would realize that these experiences happen to people that sit next to you at work. Um, Like one moment at Facebook that really spurred me to do this is that I remember when I was working at Facebook, there was an article that came out from five. I think it was five like anonymous black employees at Facebook. And it was like the title said. Facebook doesn't care about its black employees. And I remember white coworkers saying, this is made up, right? There's no wow. way that this would happen at Facebook, right? And the same thing could be said for any company where it's put on a pedestal as if as, as like this utopia of a workplace. I'm like, no, this stuff happens here. Right. In fact, the same person that told me that was one of the people giving me microaggressions. So wow. like, I think people would believe it more with a face and name behind it, which is why one of the reasons why I launched it. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. And, you know, I see your content online and I see some of the comments and it's crazy to see like our work actually like impact real people's lives. I know at first when you're creating it, it's just like a camera. It's just a room with, you know, two people talking on a podcast. It's 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 hard to correlate it with actual people's lives. Um, you've been able to grow your TikTok to over 30,000 people, which is like no easy feat. Like, what do you attribute that to? Like, why do you think that is? It's funny, too, because I've seen a bunch of TikTok creators give advice as to, you know, how to do this. And they always say, focus on the trending sounds, do these dances, insert. And my most popular videos is me just being vulnerable mm. about my experience in corporate. It's just yeah. it's just me sharing a story uh, like for such a long time, I tried to do the viral things and tried to take the advice and it never worked. Yeah. And the two videos that popped off for me, one of them was like, yo, when's the last time you kept it real with your manager? Here's my story. And it was a story about how I told my manager that I didn't want to exceed expectations at work. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I was, she was like, what? I was like, yeah, I don't want to raise. I don't care. Like, I just want to do my job, collect it, collect my check and bounce. And like that story went viral. Right. Um, and then there was another one on LinkedIn, actually, where I shared my salary transparently. And I made a similar video on TikTok. And 
for something that's so taboo as far as like openly talking about your income yeah um like those just like personal vulnerable experiences just really worked for me because i think there was a lane where like people weren't doing it right yeah i love that and i think that's I think that's rare. I think we're starting to see more people be transparent, like on social and stuff. But I do think like more times than not, that is like a rare thing. And I think part of why it's rare is because people are afraid. And, you know, it's so funny. I was thinking about some of your content uh, this week because you were the first person I saw. And this was maybe like months ago that was really transparent with what they were getting paid. And I remember just kind of feeling like, dang, like, I wish like I wish I could do that. And you know, I don't think that there was anything stopping me from doing that. Like, it's not like anyone said, like, don't share what you make online per se. But there was just like this stigma that I felt like if people find out something bad is going to happen, if my manager finds out, if whoever I work for finds out, it's not going to go well for me. And I feel like sometimes as an immigrant, I feel like I, I don't think this is true, but it does sort of feel like I have more to lose, right? It feels like I'm fighting against the odds, right? And now kind of like you just said, like, I finally made it to this place. And I don't want like me talking about my pay to be the thing that makes it all like shatter and fall down. And I, and I understand, you know, the nuances and even just like thinking that way and feeling like maybe you don't belong. And, and some of that is imposter syndrome. But how do you walk people through like overcoming some of those fears, whether it's like, you know, in my case, sharing what I make publicly without being afraid of being judged by my coworkers, or maybe for other people, like you were saying, just being vulnerable online and their journey as a content creator. Yeah. And I just want to empathize with you and say, like, you're not alone. I mean, would you I don't know how shocked you would be about this, but my mom didn't know how much I got paid until that post. Mm. Like. And like my, my, I had family who told me, and my mom never gave any indication of doing any wrongdoing with like me and money. And like, I have a very positive relationship with my mom. Like I love her, yeah. but I had family told me like, after I hit a certain income threshold to stop, cause my mom used to do my taxes for me. Yeah. She's a tax repair on side, told me to stop doing my taxes with her because for whatever reason. And I took the advice. So after I hit six years, I stopped doing my taxes with my mom. Yeah. And then after that, like she just had no idea. But this sort of behavior is also told to us by corporations. But right, right. the reason why corporations don't want us to talk about it is because they're all paying us differently, right? And who ends up getting hurt by a lack of transparency? Us, people of color, especially right. women. So what I think about with the fear, I have to think about like, all right, well, like, are there protections in place from a law standpoint? And there, there is actually law. Obama actually passed a law that said, you know, it, it protects employees from openly talking about salary transparently. Yeah. Then I got to think about like, all right, well, what are the worst case scenarios that are going to happen? Like, people are going to be envious, right? Maybe, right. but I think there are a lot of uh, there's a lot more positive impact than the negative that yeah. will come. For example, like one of the messages that I got on LinkedIn, um, this Dominican guy, he said, "Wow, I never thought someone that looked like me could make that amount of money." Like it opens wow. up people's eyes for the possibility of what is even, you know, what, what can happen for them. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying all that to say like, I didn't have some difficult internal conversations. Right. Like I had the director on my team have, have a talk with me, but I told her, <laughs> she was like, yo, why don't you handle this internally? And I was like, cause this is bigger than TikTok. It has nothing to do with TikTok. But for me, the, the thing that really allowed me to be vulnerable about like everything is like, I let go of the fear of being fired. Because I think that's a big fear for a lot of people. And I'm like, yeah. worst case scenario, I'll get another job. Right. That may be cocky, but 
I don't know. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah, that's facts, man. And I and I think to your point, we're so attached to our jobs, and and I understand why, right? Like it's it's your livelihood, right? Um, but to your point, I think like disassociating. Like, you know, for me, I feel like a lot of times I associate my worth with my job, right? And, and finding yeah. a new job itself is n- it may not be that difficult, especially if you've worked at a larger company. Maybe you are you have a skill that's in demand, but still we have those feelings of feeling like, darn, if this happens, it's going to be kind of, it's going to be kind of tight. Um, I wanted to ask just sort of like, when you think about moments that are positive, you just shared the the moment about getting that message on LinkedIn just by being vocal on social media. And it's crazy to think about social media having that kind of power. But as content creators, that's that's the direction like the world is going. Like the the more uh, people start paying attention to content, the larger our platforms will get. When you think about your podcast and some of the, the moments and memories that kind of stand out to you that you feel like are positive or that make you feel like, gosh, I'm glad I did this. What are some of those moments? I mean, it's very similar messages from, you know, the community. Uh, messages like, wow, it it took me, I was sitting eight years old until I felt comfortable enough wearing my natural curly hair into an interview. And you know what? If they don't want me for my natural self, then it may not be the place for me. Like that's very different than where that person was potentially previously listened to the episode where instead of them saying, if they don't want me, I'm cool with it. Like that's like a red flag that I avoided. Like we would just be happy to be there and just take any opportunity, even if we knew it was a toxic work environment. Right. Right. So not only that, but I think it's opening up the conversation to openly talk about trauma to let people know that they're not alone. Um, like I had one guest on the podcast that said, you know, she walked into a meeting that her coworker scheduled and her coworkers, she, she thought the meeting was to review a, a project that they were working on. Meanwhile, the coworkers just set up a meeting to tell her that her natural hair was unprofessional. And wow. like that happens to so many people, but imagine how demoralizing and embarrassing that moment was for her. But so many people now feel like they're not alone. Yeah. Right. Um, Cause I think that's a feeling that we often feel as well. Going back to these like untold stories they go untold so we hold on to them right internally and we internalize all of that pain so i think it's also creating a community for similar experiences where people can amongst themselves can also talk about like hey this is how i got over it and, and all those things man I, I love that perspective you've done something that not a lot of people have had the chance to do i mean your podcast has been in the top five percent of all podcasts globally at some point it's incredible to think about that. And that's an incredible way to rank. If you have to think about like one or two things that have contributed to your podcast ranking so highly, what would some of those things be? I think people like when I think about starting a podcast or when I'm talking to people about starting a podcast, generally, we just kind of break down like, this is how I record. This is how I get the guests. But once we publish it, we don't actually know like what to do with it and how to get people to listen to it. What's been your experience there? Great question. I think two things, right? I, I forget the stat exactly, but there's, and you actually made a video about this. It was like, there's only a certain number of people that even post past 20 episodes, 40, right. 50, 100. So your ability to stay consistent is important. But the what gets me through that consistency is having a mission to the podcast that is greater than money. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't make anything or much money directly from podcast ads itself. So there has to be a larger mission that pushes me to do the episodes. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
because you're going to get depressed. You're not going to want to do it. And there has to be something greater than money because money's not always going to be there to push you to want to do it. Like I love doing this for free. I've been doing it for free. Yeah. Right. So that's one thing. And then two is this idea that if you build it, they will come bullshit. It's not true. <laughs> I, you have to share it on social media in particular yeah. in this order, I would say TikTok and then LinkedIn. Mm, okay. That's interesting. And and when you think about like, from the time you started your podcast, if you had to walk through like monthly analytics and you had to say like, hey, when I was starting, I was kind of seeing an average of 50 listeners per month. And, and now I feel like I see an average. Of, like, do you, can you talk about some of those numbers? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, last year, I would say, I mean, yeah, when I first started, it was, you know, 30, 50 listens, if you will. Last year, it was probably like in the hundred to like anywhere, like, in the hundreds to four hundreds. Yeah. Now I think I'm in the thousands with the highest episode being around like four to five thousand. Wow. And yeah, so like that's kind of like where I'm at now. But it's interesting though, you know, talking about top five percent, a lot of this data is gate kept, but you don't have to have a million episodes to be you don't have to have a million listens per episode to be in the top five percent. Right. I think like I forget who it was, but one of these podcast stripping platforms said that. I think to be in the top 10, you have to have over 800 listens in the first week. Yep. So that's also something that a lot of people don't know. Like you don't have to have Joe Rogan numbers to be in the top 5%. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, do you have any other way, like not including social media of communicating with people that listen to your podcast, like a newsletter or anything like that? Or is your general sort of like process like, hey, I record and put out an episode. I'm going to publish it on TikTok. Then I'm going to go to LinkedIn. Yeah, that's a great question because I found that I built community on different platforms, including, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, uh, you know, all these different platforms. I'm actually in the thought process and brainstorming process to find like one place to bring everyone together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually just created a Patreon. And with the Patreon, I think I'm going to also launch a Discord because there's an integration there. But I do want to have uh, a quote unquote home digitally where everyone could really come together and not have like this separate communication via all these different channels. But it, it's been a challenge that I've, that I've been struggling with, but I think that's going to help with the continued growth as well. Yeah. I love that. I'd love to see some company put together just a platform for podcasters that kind of like Substack, but just for podcasting. I think that'd be so dope. Um, you know, you have a pretty big personal brand, like on TikTok, really like all social platforms. And even on, on LinkedIn, I kind of see people like interact with you and post on different things that you reshare. Um, what role do you think like your personal brand has played in your podcast, either to help you get guests or to just expand the number of people that listen to your episode monthly? I'm shocked at the number of people that say yes to join my podcast, in particular, like the types of people that say yes. Like I've had really dope, like C-suite executives just say yes. And, and honestly, I don't even think it's off of the strength of me as a personal brand. I think more so it's off the strength of your mission. I think your mission becomes your personal brand, but you really got to start with a mission that you're passionate about. And going back to professionalism, I think everyone struggles with it. Like it's not a Latino thing. It's not a black thing. It's not a woman. Like even white people struggle with professionalism. So that shit is going to click with anybody. So as soon as I DM somebody with a mission, it automatically clicks with them. But um, I think I've been able to build a personal brand that way, just like leading into um, the mission, which I'm just really passionate about. Yo, I love that. Um, a lot of my listeners, like one of the questions I get often is like, yo, 
if I do start a podcast, how can I monetize it? And what they're really asking is like, what are all the different ways I can make money from this thing? And so like I, I explained the obvious ones, like, well, you can get a sponsor. Well, you can have a Patreon. You can do all the things. And one thing that always comes up is like, well, if I want to sign to a network, how do I do that? Um, and, and I don't necessarily have a lot of context there, but you do. Like you actually work and partner with a network. Can you talk to me about what that partnership looks like and how it came about? Yeah, so I'm actually signed to Latino Pods. So it's uh, the the uh, Rita, who, who's the head of it, has Latino Pods and Latina Podcasters. Uh, so there's different forms of podcast networks. Some of them will help with production, like literally giving you uh, access to editors that are part of their team, access to studios. Um, the, re- the partnership that I have with Latino Podcasters is more so a revenue split model. So it's a... Where, it's where the podcaster gets a majority of the revenue split and they just act as essentially like our sales team from partnership standpoint that way. To be honest, that's not a big portion of my revenue. The majority of my revenue is probably going to come from speaking engagements this year. Oh, wow. So going back to these untold stories and you think about professionalism, I just had the idea of like, who needs to hear this content outside of just my listeners? I was like, yeah. oh, companies since, you know, me being in corporate before, I remember speakers coming in and talking to us about career development and all these things. This is a career slash professional development topic, because the idea is that if you feel more comfortable being yourself, you can do better work, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been able to book mad speaking engagements. And I'm, today is like my day to follow up with like a bunch of them. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the recent one that I got, I had at Salesforce, and they said it was like, the best presentation they've had yet this year. So Yeah. So I think just like you, who knows how many podcast listens you get, but just based on the content and the mission of who you are, people look at you like a thought leader, like an authority figure when it comes to podcasting, right? Based on the content that I put out there before this episode, maybe no one knows how many listens I get, but they know that professional development, career development, authenticity is just like aligned with me as a person, as a business. So like try to think about who else needs to hear your message outside of just listeners and yeah. businesses is a huge opportunity depending on what you talk about. That's bizarre. You know, thanks for breaking that down like that. You know, I want to ask one last question because, you know, I, I look at, I look at you and I'm like, yo, this guy creates really good content. He's really personable. He's really funny. He's like, everything is just like crisp with your content. And, and it, it seems so natural to me. And I, I'm wondering, like, for people that may be like listening to this, or, or maybe watching this, I feel like, I get like, how he was able to be successful. But I don't feel like I could do that kind of in the same way that we were just talking about people feeling like that in, in corporate and seeing people that look like us succeed. I think a lot of people feel like that about creating and starting like their journey, creating content. What advice would you have for people that are just like scared to start their podcast or their TikTok? Lloyd, you are too kind. You know what's crazy about your page, Lloyd? I saw you come up and I clicked on your profile before, like as it was loading in my head, I'm like, yo, this dude probably got like millions of followers because I looked at your content and it was so crisp and well done. But it's crazy. Like this moment brings me back to the therapy session I had where my therapist said, we never compare down. We always compare up. Right. Wow. Like I look at my content, I look at my followers and all the engagement, whatever. And I'm like, I don't got shit. I'm like, fuck, why can't I be this person that has a hundred thousand? Right. Right. But there's someone, I mean, me last year, I would kill to be where I am right now. Right. 
But there's someone out there with a thousand followers that is saying like, damn, I don't got shit. Meanwhile, yeah. there's someone with a hundred followers killing that they would kill to be in that person's place. So right. it's all about perspective. But what I'm saying is that there is an audience for you out there. Like as I think often we feel like whatever we're going through in life is so specific and so unique to our experience. Yet there's probably millions of people out there going through the same exact experience that you're going through. Yeah. And they're looking for a voice because they're also scared to tell that story. Wow. Like be that representation that maybe you wish you had earlier. Man, I love that. Yo, thank you so much for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. And I know my audience is going to be better for it. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate you, Lloyd.